Well, hi, TYB on the run. Welcome to Ephesians chapter four. We're going to jump into this incredible chapter that really is the rubber hits the road part of Ephesians because Paul is always one of these people that declares what you are to think and how to you, who you are to think as your identity in Christ, like in Ephesians one to three. And then he says, but there's got to be something to do with it. You've got to do something with it. And that's where we hit in Ephesians four. So let me jump back a bit. I'm actually going to um, jump back to 320. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Chapter 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed to and fro, by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And then what happens from this chapter, guys, is chapter four then goes into what's called these Christian household codes or instructions for Christian living. But I'm going to stop there and just unpackage this for you. The beginning of chapter four, because it's so, it's so beautiful and rich what Paul is saying here. Don't you? I I jumped back to 320 because I love that when you've got to remember again that these chapters and these verses were put in later. So when Paul kind of declares something and then says, Amen, he's kind of finishing and building to a crescendo and then he bounces out of that crescendo and that's why I really wanted to read now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. I don't know, sometimes, guys, the power of the world screams louder than the power of Christ. And that is why we've got to be in our Bibles, whether I'm reading it over you or you are diving into it yourself. You've got to be in the Bible to know that that God can do immeasurably above all we can ask, think, or imagine. To him be the glory in the church. Everything that we do in the body of Christ is about him, glorifying him. And I know sometimes when we do church life, we can feel like it's it's about us, but it's not. It's about the unity of the, the faith of the Christians coming together and glorifying God. And I love that essence of community glorifying God. Now, when we jump into chapter four, 
The heading is unity and maturity in the body of Christ. Now, did you notice that 4.1 says, as a prisoner for the Lord? Now, that's not a metaphor. Paul is literally in prison at this time. And he's talking about, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That is a that is such a juxtaposition for me. That is such a something that probably wouldn't be preached because if I'm as a prisoner, declaring that he is living a life worthy of his calling. So in in effect, he's saying, I am suffering. I am here because of the incredible calling of God on my life. And I don't know about you, but today I seem feels a bit like your calling is those who are off traveling the, the world, preaching the gospel. And I don't mean to make that any less than and or make light of that. But he, Paul is saying, I am living a life worthy of the calling that I received by getting into the trenches, by being in the prison, by maybe you're living the life that you, your calling is to be a great businessman or a mum. And sometimes it feels like you're in the trenches. Sometimes it feels like a little bit like, God, why am I here? But Paul puts this beautiful aspect on it that as a prisoner for the Lord, He's urging us to live a life worthy of your calling. You are living a life worthy of your calling when at times you're being persecuted or at times you're you're having a hard or you're suffering. And I love that essence of the blessing of God in the midst of the dirt. I kind of love how Paul does that all the time. It says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Guys, this is the call of this generation. We need these scriptures more than ever. Be completely humble, be patient, bearing with one another in love. I don't know about you, but I feel like the world is screaming at us to obtain a million followers, to to be these famous people. And, And I don't know about you, but the Bible calls us to a different walk. The Bible calls us to a walk that is humble and patient bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep unity of the spirit. Do you know why he says make every effort? Because keeping unity of the spirit is really hard. But we know from the book of Ephesians and we know from the book of Colossians, he says the very unity that we have in our churches is the demonstration of that God is going to reconcile all of this Jew and Gentile, slave and free, this reconciliation in our in the body of Christ is that Christ is going to be reconciled, everything's going to be reconciled under Christ at the end. Our churches demonstrate the unity of God, which is really quite amazing and scary all at once. It puts the pressure on our churches to say, you know what, we are to be, and then he continues, notice the repeated word, we are to be one body one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith. But can I say, Paul doesn't in this letter, he doesn't say, he talks about all the oneness, but he says, but to each of us, a grace has been given. See, unity isn't about the lack of diversity. Unity isn't us all being robots and just thinking one way. Unity is about coming together in in the community, common unity, in the community of God, and having diversity and having different gifts and different abilities and becoming one in our differences. And I absolutely love this about Paul's and talking about in Ephesians. He says, the different gifts that we have, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, all to equip his people for the works of service. Now, can I say sometimes when I read and I hear people teaching on these scriptures, 
apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors. And it, it, it kind of sounds a bit like it's, it's a division in the church that some are called to be apostles and some are called to be prophets and some are called to, and then the lower ones are, you know, some of us who are called to be, um, you know, out in the marketplace or mums. And, you know, it's got this sense of rank and order, but it, it doesn't work in putting this in the context of this scripture in this chapter. Paul is saying that we are to be one body, one spirit. And yes, we may have different callings, but it's all equal and it's all on one level. And we're all there to build the body of Christ. There is this beautiful sense of equality in these gifts. All of them are there to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. There's this beautiful essence of Paul's teaching saying we are all to be one. Guys, I listen to people in churches and there's segregation between those maybe who are divorced or those who are married. And I think each of us have to know that we are all called together. Generations shouldn't be separate. There shouldn't be different generations that are elevated at different times. We are all the body of Christ. It's like saying, oh, you know, I'm only going to have new new parts or new um, new millennials in the church. And it's like, that's great, but we are all the body of Christ. Every generation, every culture, every ethnicity, every giftings all together to build up and represent Christ as the body. And I kind of have such a passion and a heart for unity. The mums, the, the dads, the business people, the wealthy, the poor, all of us together, that is what the church is supposed to look like. And I absolutely love it. It says here, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. This is why the Bible is so important, guys, because what he's saying here is there are different teaching that is coming into the body of Christ and causing that division and causing that. And it's this craftiness of these people in their deceitful schemings that is actually actually causing division. When you hear a preach that um, segregates the body of Christ, you've got to go, you know what, that is not what the Word of God says because the Word of God set, preaches unity. It preaches this beautiful essence of love and peace, humbly humbling ourselves and being patient and bearing with one another. And this is what this whole script chapter is about, and I love it. Um, it says, we will grow to become in every respect, the mature body. I kind of like that essence of growing. It doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen. It's this essence of speaking the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is the Christ. We're growing together. And sometimes the growth is awkward and sometimes it gets a bit hard, but we are growing together. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I don't know about you guys, but in this isolation time that we've just had is is and we're coming back into church, I love this essence of us getting back together, getting back into the mix of the body of Christ because this is where we flourish. Why? Because you've got to grow together. Your destiny is found in the people around you and that means, and I, I find this quite hard, relying on those around you. Now let me just keep going. I'm going to keep reading this over you because um, in the next section, guys, what he 
breaks into is instructions for Christian living. Now, this is the very practical section of Ephesians. As I mentioned, this is not the identity section. Out of knowing who you are in Christ, you have the confidence to bless others. And I'll say, guys, if you struggle with blessing others or you struggle with jealousy or you struggle with a competitive nature in the body of Christ, then go back to chapter 1 and 3 and get your identity in Christ strong because it is out of a very insecure person that unfortunately comes the heart of competitive and jealousy. So what we've got to do is work on our heart to be secure in Christ in who we are so that these things are easy to us. We can be humble. We can lift each other up. We can take care of one another out of a strength of our identity in Christ. Now he keeps going. I'm going to read um, 417 over you. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, do in their futile in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Can you hear this very instructive nature of the of chapter 4? It's almost like getting down to the nuts and bolts of Christianity. We're not to be Christians on Sunday. We're to be Christians in every essence of our being. And Paul is saying that means watching your mouth. That means not grieving the Holy Spirit with how you're speaking. That means getting rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. And sometimes that's hard, I have to say. Sometimes in the body of Christ, well, actually, can I say, you are guaranteed to be offended in church because it's a community of people being together. It's what you do with that offense that makes you more Christ-like. Does that make sense? It's what you do with that bitterness and rage is what Paul is saying here. He's saying as Christians, wrestle with that anger. Don't go to sleep on and having anger in your heart. As Christians, wrestle with that bitterness. Wrestle with that ability to speak out of love. Because that is the essence of the the putting the money where your mouth is almost in Christianity. This practical chapter of Ephesians is all about what we do with our Christianity. We can remain in our identity in Christ and say, I, I, you know, am I I have my identity built in Christ, but not do something with it. He's saying, take it a step further and wrestle with the concepts of your heart. Forgive those who have hurt you so that you can release that bitterness. Forgive maybe family members who have hurt you so that you can have this beautiful essence of love. 
He's saying put off that old nature that is corrupted way of life. Change the way you live. And I love this beautiful sense that Paul is very actions-based. Even though people say he's against works, he's not. He's very actions-based in our Christianity. We are to be one body. We are to be um, one in one spirit with one fellowship. We are to be diverse in our gifts, but those gifts are to come into that unity and humility of equipping and empowering the body of Christ. We are to change the way we speak, change the way we act, get rid of bitterness and anger. Why? Because our identity in Christ has us so strong and solid in him. We want to live, as the beginning of this chapter says, a life worthy of the calling that we have received.